Hey, hey, kids, we're a couple of annoyed grunt boys, and this is the 138th Simpsons Podcast. There were 99 that safely lay in the shelter of the fold. Of the fold. But one was out on the hills away, far off from the gates of gold. Gates of gold. Away on the mountain, wild and bare, away from the tender shepherd. That's right. We're the podcast that explores the show The Simpsons, but not from seasons one through ten or aka the classic. We like to review the new episodes. And if we can't do that, we'll bust out that wheel of random and see what's going on from seasons eleven and beyond. I am an annoyed grunt boy, Steve. And with me, as always, is uh, the other annoyed grunt boy, Craig. Uh, Steve, this episode drops on your birthday. So today is your birthday if you're listening to this on November 11th. Happy birthday. Why, thank you, sir. Yeah, you uh just returned from the windy big apple is that las vegas is what is it called yeah the city that seldom sleeps <laughs> covid capital no how yeah. on that oh not good <laughs> um yeah so i i'm not a gambler and uh yeah i don't but care about vegas are. that much <laughs> yeah um no there's a art collective called meow wolf first started in new mexico funded by uh game of thrones author george R. R. martin um basically uh new mexico had an art scene that was very snooty and uptight so uh some artists decided to get together and make an interactive world and it's kind of an escape room kind of a, a narrative and we went uh, my wife and i went there a couple years ago check it out and then they opened a one in uh, new mexico or uh, sorry in las vegas nevada and so uh to celebrate our sixth wedding anniversary and my birthday of an age that i don't want to say um uh we went to las vegas uh for a little vacation and uh vegas is weird especially now when we uh first flew in uh, on our way to the uh, hotel there was a man lying flat on the ground wearing sweatpants and uh he wasn't masturbating per se but he was rubbing his thighs and his crotch like he was pre-masturbating so that was kind of our first experience and you were like dad what are you doing <laughs> you do that inside <laughs> Um, and then so that Saturday night, uh, it was a triple threat of uh, things because the Rolling Stones were in town. There was a big boxing match and a professional bull rider tournament. Um, so there were a lot of people out and they were all very drunk. And uh, luckily, both Laura and I are uh, both vaxxed and boosted. So we have a certain sense of security about it, but we wore our masks pretty much the whole time. And There's drunk so- people in Vegas? A couple. Well, I never. Yeah. <laughs> So you said the Rolling Stones were there. Was a uh, did, did JFK Jr. Uh, come forth at, at Vegas, or is he still waiting? I, I think he's still waiting with Robin Williams just for the right moment. And Michael Jackson. Exactly. Yeah. All right. We went to the uh, Meow Wolf, which was amazing. I highly recommend it. We ate some great food. Uh, best friend at the Park MGM is a Korean barbecue restaurant that is kind of elevated, but uh, not. And that was amazing. I had some of the best food in my life, but it's wild. Like I used to be a smoker and uh, it's crazy how much I am affected by it now. Uh, there's cigarette smoke everywhere and it's just weird. Gambling is weird. Like I could not find the Simpsons slot machine. So I'm, I'm sorry. I feel like I let everyone down for a thing that nobody asked for. Did you only play on the uh, Murphy Brown slot machine? Yeah. It was like tucked in the corner. Yep. I won an Eldon. <laughs> <laughs> no one understands that reference. Not even me. I think he was the uh, executive producer. Was kind of I don't know. Uh, or was he the painter? Anyway, <laughs> this isn't a Murphy Brown cast. 
uh, yet. But if I have my way, uh, but no, it was uh, it was a lot of fun. Just it was very exhausting, and a lot of uh, you know here in the Pacific Northwest, uh, I feel like you know there's a certain kind of mentality and a certain type of uh, person that I just kind of perceive to be normal. I uh, you know kind of uh, laid back and you know not super fancy and not uh, really a, a big deal about material things. And uh, those people are not in Vegas. <laughs> Uh, it, Vegas is for everybody, so you'll see all the the walks of life. All it's cultures. true. It's, it's kind of yeah, crazy. It's fascinating, but it's also um, we were there for uh, three nights. I suggest two nights is about perfect for Vegas. Yeah, you could definitely get Vegas out. You know, I haven't been there since uh, the last time I was there. I saw Frank was there. Uh, Sammy, Sammy was doing a show. Uh, had dinner with Rickles. It was a good time. So that was the last time I was there, 1962. So you're talking about uh, okay, thanks. <laughs> I thought you were talking about Frank Stallone, <laughs> yeah. Sam Kinison, and Rob Riggles. <laughs> Rob Riggles. <laughs> no, I've actually never been to Vegas because it just doesn't it, it doesn't entice me at all. Yeah, um, I said that before on the podcast. So we've talked. I think we've talked about Vegas. Yeah, in preparation, I watched the uh, the the Vegas Simpsons. Wives episode. <laughs> yeah. Did you run and into Ned and Homer's Vegas Wives? I probably did. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't watch Showgirls before going? I mean, I do every Friday night, but. It's pretty normal. Well, it's just sad. And <laughs> <laughs> just love Kyle McLaughlin in non-Dune roles. <laughs> but yeah, it was it was a weird experience. Uh just uh a lot of a lot of sensory overload. And uh it just made me really it, it's weird to say, but I really appreciate where I'm I, I'm at now. Yeah. Well, we're snooty here in the Pacific Northwest. It's true. I saw you you were you posted photos, so you went inside a fake grocery store, even though you work in a grocery store. Yes. Yeah, so uh, to, uh to, to go back to the Meow Wolf thing, the one that they opened in Vegas is called Omega Mart. And so you enter a store with fake products like cubed peas and nut-free uh, salt and uh it looks kind of normal but then as you're walking through the store the lights flicker and all the workers kind of turn into dead robots and then uh, you hear a weird announcement and then everything goes back to normal and so you're walking through the store and then uh you open like the soda cooler and you go into another dimension and there's like all these neon lights and all this weird stuff happening and uh there's a whole narrative about the owner of the store uh genetically modifying a daughter to take over the company but then she gets lost in another dimension as well and you have to try and find her but if you don't want to you can just kind of walk around too <laughs> all right <laughs> i don't do uh psychedelics but i feel like if you did this could be a lot of fun or really scary but and uh especially being out of your mind in vegas probably not probably yeah. like everyone else's yeah yeah you don't want really like the hunter s tompkins experience no i highly recommend meow wolf it's it's an otherworldly experience and it's a lot of fun and it's just a great uh example of what art can do and it doesn't have to be snooty it can be something that you can really interact with and really kind of experience and it's really inspirational and i just uh my mind was blown and so definitely the highlight of the trip well that sounds exciting and a fun birthday a fun 29th birthday you had that's right Uh, little 29 Yep. It's almost the end, Steve. But um, yeah, well, you were in Vegas. I'll let you know that I was at home doing nothing. That's fair. I wasn't doing nothing, nothing, though. No. I had to watch The Simpsons, Steve. Oh, yes. And I had to go all the way back to last Sunday. Oh, right. So really, I had I, I sat and waited in front of my TV until it was eight o'clock Sunday night. Well, uh, you know what you could have done while you're waiting is you could have gone to the box office. Oh, I should have done that, Steve. I've only been to one movie this year. Yeah. 
you know what I could have seen instead, which you would think I would because it's a Marvel movie. Mm-hmm. The number one movie was The Eternals. But, uh, ah, yes. I haven't seen it yet. I, I'm behind on my Marvel movies. I haven't seen Shang-Chi or obviously Eternals yet. So uh, for a novice, what's the deal with The Eternals? Nobody knows. Okay. <laughs> Never read the comic books. I believe Jack Kirby created it. Okay. It was, it was like such like a low tier comics that... At this point, when they announced the Eternals, I'm like, well, cool. What's that? <laughs> Which I think is the consensus. You're right. Yeah. And I know like the there's a whole thing right now with Rotten Tomatoes. Like it's the lowest ranked movie, but the fan score seems to be positive. And what I've read about it is I think I would actually like this movie. So I, I think I will see it, but I might wait till uh, it's on the old uh, Disney Plus. Yeah. I think that's a good point, though, about like the Rotten Tomatoes score, like especially with superhero movies. Right. They're not for critics. They're for the fans. Someone posted on Reddit that Eternals was like a uh, a DC, like a Zack Snyder movie. And I was like, oh, then I totally love this movie. Yeah. Because <laughs> no one likes the DC movies except for me. So here we are. Um, yeah. You know, I'll, I'll get to it. And I mean, the cast is great. I mean, Camille Nanjiani's in it. And I love him. Did you hear he worked out for the movie? <laughs> No, do tell. Oh, oh, yeah. He just uh, went through a little bit of exercise regimen. Um, but yeah, um, well, so, you know, maybe I'll get to that. Steve, I'm, I'm still waiting for next weekend. That's the big uh, Ghostbusters. So, oh, yes. I'm still, you know, holding my theater time. That's uh, I think that's a good one to see. I'm excited to see that or at least hear about it. Yeah. yeah oh, Paul Rudd. Everybody definitely. loves Paul Rudd. Yeah. Um, all right, Steve. Well, um, I could have been to the theaters. I at least could have turned on my Spotify to listen to the number one song. Yep. And that song was the number one song on the Billboard Hot 100. Easy on Me by Adele. DMC'd, run DMC'd. Yeah. <laughs> Grandmaster Jay, what are you doing? <laughs> this is actually the first time I've li- ever heard the the song. So yeah, me too. I wanted to listen to more. I like Adele. It's a pleasant song. I remember reading an article recently, and the media was freaking out because she eats McDonald's once a week. <laughs> and I don't know if that's too much or too little for the audit for the media, but it seems fairly reasonable. I haven't had McDonald's in a long time. Neither have I. Yeah, I'll keep it that way. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, Adele, her next album will be called 30 because she does it by her age. That's right. She's older than you, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> Being born in uh, 1992 oh. is rough. <laughs> yeah. uh, you're a 90s kid. That's right. I love <laughs> Tamagotchi. Uh, Tamagotchi, Pokemon, and eating ass. <laughs> All right. Well, why don't we uh, um, talk about uh, The Simpsons instead of eating ass? Alrighty, now I can multitask, but uh, today we're talking about uh, Serious Flanders, uh, which is part one of a two-part series, also called the Serious Flanders. So it's Serious Flanders part one, Thanks. Uh, in which a ruthless debt collector comes to Springfield and Homer and Ned's lives are sucked into the artfully violent world of prestige TV. All right, Steve, let's uh, go listen to some more Adele and eat some ass. <laughs> we'll be right back.
Today we're talking about A Serious Flanders Part 1, the sixth episode of the 33rd season. It originally aired on November 7th, 2021. It is episode 712 in the show's run. Your nerd code is QABF21. It was written by Cesar Mazariegos, directed by Debbie Mahan, and your showrunner is Al Jean. All right, Cesar Mazariegos been on the show for i think what since season 30 to current as a staff writer story editor um, executive story editor but this is uh uh the second that he is upheld under the first one he did was i Columbus, huh. which was from season 32 episode two we have not reviewed that no but and- uh he did write for a series a short-lived uh, series called high and mighty in which a man survives a shootout and discovers he is indestructible believing he is now a superhero <laughs> with his cholo friends by his side which uh caesar wrote and also not to confuse the uh, podcast high and mighty right with uh, john gabris right um but yeah he's got uh, of course the second part then and then he's got another episode coming up this season called not it oh but, but you're it oh here's the synopsis for not it that's on the simpsons wiki i think is great crusty plays a big part that's it <laughs> yeah we'll get to that eventually yeah i look forward to it and that sounds yeah. very interesting so a uh, caesar here we go again with the season 33 here uh new writers new yeah. names that we're getting even though he has been a previous writer but it's, it's this is fun it's no it's uh, great that they get to yeah. showcase new art uh new authors here's a fun thing too he also played a voice in the last bar fighter he played grandpa baby <laughs> so yeah here we go caesar let's get this show on the road how about that Alrighty, as we mentioned last week this is the series fourth two-part uh episode after who shot mr burns the great fatsby and uh la- season 31's warren priests man the simpsons lately just in the past couple years now doing uh two-parters yeah i i dig it it's ambitious i like it i think they're just you know let's just this is go for it right yeah all so we, we had when we were kids was who shot mr burns i know and that was one time and it seemed like a once in a lifetime event now we've had three more yeah steve i'm not gonna spoil it but uh you might be able to call this episode who shot mr burns three oh yeah because i don't know who shot him pretty sure i do maybe i do maybe i don't well i mean there's at least four people that might have done it four or five that's true yeah and we don't see uh well we'll get there right yeah we'll get there hopefully this uh episode even though we weren't big fans of the great fatsby maybe maybe we'll change our mind maybe the subject matter is more up our alley perhaps yeah well since it is a two-parter they're not going to really have a a couch board or chalk gag no it's an interesting way this uh, episode starts it kind of starts how uh we watch tv these days with uh with a screen instead of netflix it says simplex and you know (laughs) that same kind of a netflix font simplex uh (laughs) that doesn't sound too it's for simps right yeah Forgive me for being an old man. A simp is just kind of like somebody who is really nice to people, but almost to a fault. Like like, like Ned Flanders. Yeah, exactly. And and I've talked about uh, simplaining things to people when I Mm -hmm. make a Simpsons joke. They don't understand (laughs) it. You got to simplain them. It's true. Yeah. Well, Steve, the uh, simp flicks there even has that ding ding. And uh, someone... Maybe this is the mystery. Who's the one who's choosing the, the the program, Steve? Yeah. We have we start off with, with a row of comedies with, uh, or no, we start out with, what do we start out with here, Steve? Well, we start out with, uh, looks like some dramas. We start out with The Tween's Gambit, uh, showing Lisa playing chess, a parody of Netflix's The Queen's Gambit. All right. We'll uh, say if we've seen it or not. Um, I have not seen Queen's Gambit. I have not either. All right. Then we got Halt and Kirk's Fired. Which I believe is a parody of Halt and Catch Fire. Uh, never seen it. Nope. Uh, AMC show about uh, computers. Yeah. Again, I'll just say I've heard of it. Her supposed to be good, but mm-hmm. maybe one of these days, right? Yeah, maybe. 
Uh, next up, we have Mole Man, a parody of Watchmen. I have seen that. Me too. Then we got Somebody Feed Gil, which is a parody of Somebody Feed Phil, which uh, Phil uh, Rosenthal. Indeed. A friend of uh, The Simpsons. Yeah. He did a voice in the movie. He's a writer. He's he's like the he's like the poor man's Larry David in, in the sense that he helped create Everybody Loves Raymond with Ray Romano. Yeah. And so he's kind of like he's like the evil Larry David <laughs> or the nice Larry. David. Yeah. So because he's like, the most pleasant man in the world. Also. Yeah. And like so, of course, with that being like the show creator, he has a paycheck for the rest of his life because of syndication, because mm-hmm. everyone loves Mar- Raymond. He's part of that elite few people that at the time when TV was still king, where you're going to make bucks off of syndication. Yeah. So now now all he's is like, you know, what? I have billions of dollars probably let me just have a tv show where i go around the world and people feed me food <laughs> yeah it's great and also i highly recommend that show it's a lot of fun i have not seen it but uh it does it does sound fun yeah uh next we have suck suck session which uh <laughs> sounds like a different type of show <laughs> um but it's a parody of the uh hbo hit show uh succession which i, I am currently on the current season season three everyone loves that show i haven't seen it it's very good. That's all I see on uh, Twitter is about Succession. That's yeah, got uh, Brian uh, Brian Cox in it, right? Indeed, uh, who is uh, plays a very big role in this uh, episode. Yeah. All right. So I'm I've only seen one out of the five we described. <laughs> uh, so I'm on one, two. Okay. Uh, three. Then we get no three. three. Yeah. Uh, then we got uh, the marvelous Mrs. Munts, which is under comedies. That's a parody of the marvelous Mrs. Maisel, and I have seen marvelous Mrs. Maisel. I'm a fan. I have seen it. I am a little behind, but uh, I'm, I've seen a lot of it. <laughs> uh, next, we have B. Jack Horseman, which is a parody of Bo- BoJack Horseman, which is a Netflix show about an alcoholic horse. Um, it starts out with uh, cute animal puns and then goes deep, deep, deep into depression. Uh, yep, yeah, uh, still haven't seen it. I. It's a great show. I never want to watch it again. <laughs> it takes you to dark places. Like you have no idea. Like it's but- it's bleak. I'll get there eventually. Yeah. Um, and then we have next to that Len 15, which of course <laughs> is a parody of uh, Hulu's Pen 15. And it looks like it's uh, Lenny and Carl. Yeah. I, I, I kind of want to watch this show. Just because we're, show. we're fans of Pen 15. Mm-hmm. They should do, uh, you know, we've talked about on this podcast how we, we thought it'd be great to have a, a, just a Lenny and Carl show. Yeah. But live action. This would be a great place to start. Yeah. Let, let's do the, the Len 15 live action parody of Pen 15, but we'll cast adult me- men to play middle school kids. And then mm-hmm. and then all the, the other kids will be, you know, actually age appropriate. So you'd have, you know, adult men trying to pick up on uh, 11 year old girls. Seems not problematic at yeah. all. Seems yeah. fine. It's the same concept, but uh, uh, reverse the uh, the genders. Yeah. <laughs> Could you imagine if there was? Oh my god. Uh, uh, let's see who who's in line here. Um, uh, Jared from Subway. He's he's auditioning. Who else is auditioning? Know, Steve. I don't even know Josh Rowley could act. <laughs> Matt Gates. What, what's going on here? <laughs> we had some old people here. Jeffrey Jones. We haven't heard him from him since the nineties. Stephen Collins from TV Seventh Heaven. The dad from Alf. Tom Hanks. <laughs> and that's all the uh, celebrity pedophiles I know. All right. <laughs> Didn't know about Hanks. Oh, doesn't he like eat babies or? Yeah, probably. Pedophile baby pizza gate. Wasn't he part of that? Yeah, I think so. With the uh, Hillary Clinton and I don't know, let's just say uh, Mo. Brimley. <laughs> Mo. Yeah, there we go. 
Uh, next up, we have uh, Wigmouth, which is a parody of Big Mouth. I, I do like that it's uh, ongoing with uh, the, you know, how Ralph sees the leprechaun. Yeah. I've seen a couple episodes of Big Mouth. I uh, love it. There's a new season out uh, recently, and uh, Laura started to watch it on the airplane. <laughs> and then she realized, oh, no, it's this probably is not. not appropriate for no. anybody to see. So she oh. stopped. But yeah, I see. I think I've seen uh, all the seasons up to now. Okay. Um, I might go back for that one. Um, next up, we got what what we loo in the shadows, which is a parody <laughs> of uh, FXXXXXX's uh, What We Do in the Shadows, which, of course, we've talked about in this podcast. Huge fan. Mm-hmm. Have we talked about it on the podcast? I don't know, I, I but it's a very good show. Yeah, it's one of my favorite shows. Yeah. Uh, so next we go into the uh, prestige crime drama season uh, with uh, Mozark, which is a parody of the uh, uh, Ozark featuring uh, Michael Bluth himself, Jason Bateman. Yeah, Justine's brother. Exactly. Uh, I haven't seen it. That's actually one I kind of want to watch. Heard it's supposed to be good. I watched the first season. It was good. It's very blue. And I don't mean sad. I mean, the color tone of the episode, <laughs> it's all, or the, of the show, it's all very blue. It's very weird. I just know that if you're a fan of Breaking Bad, that's people say. Absolutely. Watch that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, next up, we have House of Carls, <laughs> which is a parody of House of Cards. Wait a minute. So Carl gets to be in two shows. He's in Len 15 and in House of Carls. Wow. Yeah. Carl's just in demand. Um, I won't watch. Uh, oh, yeah. Sorry. Uh, 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 Kevin Spacey's also auditioning for the live action. Lend 15. <laughs> Lend 15. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Never saw House of Cards. Me neither. It was one of those shows because it was like kind of that time when Netflix, there was maybe one show a quarter of the year where it was their originals. Like, I'll get to that because that, that's what people will be talking about. Yeah. The now, idea of uh, Netflix making TV shows was still kind of novel. Yeah. I was like, I'll get to that one. You know, I'm still trying to watch uh was the the orange is the new black you know Mm -hmm. which i think i watched the first season but then i kind of forgot and never watched it again me too um but uh yeah so there we go. What's next? Uh, next, we have Qui- uh, Quickie Blinders, which is a parody of Peaky Blinders. Hey, and, and it shows uh, finally we see uh, uh, it's been a long time since we've seen uh, Apu. That's true. And we actually see him later in this episode. Yeah, that's right. Uh, I never saw. Though. Yeah, I think we'll, we'll get there sometime this season where they figure out what they're going to do with the voice. Yeah. Uh, do you ever watch uh, Peaky Blinders? I watched the first episode and I didn't get into it. Huh. I think I, I did the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I heard it's again. It's one of those shows. The pilot episodes for shows are if they don't catch me. I think it has to be like three episodes. If you're not if you're not invested by the third episode, then there's no reason to watch. Yeah, and it's hard nowadays with so much TV, right? To devote you know three forty five minute chunks of your time to watch a show that you kind of want to watch but not sure of. All right. Uh, next up, we got Better Call Selm, which of course is a parody of Better Call Saul. Uh, that is a show that I love because I love Breaking Bad. I love Breaking Bad. I don't know why. I've never seen an episode of Better Call Saul. It's I think really I'd good. probably like it more than Breaking Bad, possibly. I think I you would. Lo- I love Bob Odenkirk. I love his character. I know that Mike's in it. I think Mike is great. And so, yeah, that's something I need to catch up on. Well, you know what you'll do? You need to do a rewatch of Breaking Bad and go right into Better Call Saul. It's good for the summer t- or for the wintertime. I think I might do that. Yeah. I've rewatched Breaking Bad about three or four times now. Really? Yeah. It's one of my favorite shows of all time. It's brilliantly done. Um, the Fly episode is probably my favorite. Which was Even... directed by Ryan Johnson, I believe. Oh, yeah. Was it? I think it was. And people poo-poo on it a lot. It's uh... like the only like bottle episode. Yeah. But it still is relevant to the series and, and whole. Yeah. Yeah, it was a great episode. All right. What's last? Uh, finally, we have Crustified, which is a parody of Justified. Have you uh, ever seen Justified? Nope. 
I nope. have no idea what it's about at all. Um, a cowboy and then shooting something like a TV based on the picture of Crestified. <laughs> Sounds about right. Um, all right. Well, um, I think I'll do uh, the shows I think I want to watch the most would be what not because I've seen the shows, but what we Lou in the shadows. I like the idea of Lou and Eddie or uh, vampire cops. Sure. And, and Wiggum doesn't know about it. It seems like a fun show. Yeah, I'd like that. Um, I would like to watch uh, Mole Man just because I want him to uh, I want him to be Dr. Manhattan just so I can okay. see some Mole Man hog. <laughs> I think the idea of like somebody feed Gil is probably literally like just him on the side of the street. He's like, oh, I'm just hungry. Please, someone feed me. <laughs> oh, Gil's got to eat. <laughs> so the uh, viewer, uh, the mysterious viewer who we do not see, finally opts for A Serious Flanders, whose title is a parody of the Coen Brothers film uh, a serious man and the episode that we're about to watch is a, a spoof of the show Fargo from FX which is a parody of the Co- or a, a, a take on the uh, Coen Brothers film Fargo from 1996 we'll say we can say that and, and we see that the episode uh, contains gratuitous violence <laughs> gratuitous guest stars and brief comedy I like that brief comedy <laughs> they might be right yeah no um, I never saw a serious man I saw it once and I enjoyed it I don't remember what happens into it all, all that matters is that Richard Kind's in it. Yeah, he's delightful. Uh, yeah, I, I kind of like gotten off the uh, Joel and Ethan Cohen wagon. I think I haven't really watched much of their stuff since I don't know the nineties. Yeah, I didn't watch their Netflix show or whatever it was, the Buster Scruggs or. Oh, I did watch that. That was actually fun. I actually did like the uh, Hollywood one that nobody really liked. Oh, um, I, oh, I, I finally watched that like um, during quarantine. The uh, um, Hell Caesar. I liked yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was good. good. It was fun. I guess the last thing. All right, so I have seen Ballad, Hell Caesar. I haven't seen Inside uh, uh, Lewin Davis. I tried that one. I, I didn't. I wasn't feeling it that day. I guess I did watch the remake of True Grit. <laughs> I did watch Burn After Reading. No Country for Old Men. Never mind. I guess they haven't really been. <laughs> You know what? Burn After Reading is a very good movie too. Which one? Burn After oh, Reading. Yeah, I just don't like uh, spoilers. Like, I get sad when Brad Pitt gets killed. I know. But you know what? My uh, our favorite, of course, this being a Simpsons podcast, our favorite Coen Brothers movie has to be Barton Fink. Barton Fink. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. Well, the, they got an up and coming movie called The Tragedy of Macbeth coming out on Apple TV. Hmm. So, eh. Is it um, going to be about a computer named Beth? <laughs> yeah. And it's got a. Uh, the tragedy of Matt, the Mac, Beth. It literally is uh, uh, about the it's about the Shakespeare guy. Oh. Yeah. Played by uh, Denzel Washington. All right. You'll never guess this. Francis McDormand's going to be in it. Weird. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, uh, Fargo, the TV show. Now, it's I know this is episodes kind of based off of that, but uh, mm-hmm. have you watched any of this, the series? I watched the first season. And I, I like wa- it. Yeah, I watched the first two seasons. Really liked it. I it, it, What's great about it is that each season is its own thing. So you don't mm. really need to watch the previous seasons, but they do kind of connect each season I, I at least i know they did with the first the first movie like or the the, the first season definitely plays a part from the movie because there's something i don't want to spoil it but i mean I, the show's like what the movie is what 25 years old and yeah which well, is the perfect like, time for them to make a parody of it well the money in the which of course is in this episode the money in the first fargo movie that he goes to bury under the snow 
is takes or plays a part in the the TV series. Right. And then then the second one season was pretty good. Uh Kirsten Dunst was in that. And she was really good in that. Everyone was really good in that. Hmm. I guess everyone is good in it. I I think I get get into the season 3 and 4. Yeah, cuz isn't uh Chris Rock in it? He's in the fourth season, yeah. Yeah. The uh Chris Rock, the uh man who brought the Saw franchise back from the dead. That's right. It's true. I haven't seen it yet because I'm waiting for Steve and I to do our seesaw podcast. Exactly. Our seesaw and seesaw. <laughs> What's cool about Chris Rock? I don't know if this might be somebody else's joke, but if if you were on the Flintstones, <laughs> you wouldn't have to change his name. Well, maybe it had to be Christopher. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. More old fashioned. Yeah. This is in prehistoric days. Yeah. All right. Well, so yeah, the Fargo. Here we go. Um, so the story begins. We get a car driving down the snowy road. Um, it's a rich Texan guy, a.k.a. Richard Texan, <laughs> also known as uh, Senator Shady Bird Johnson. Yeah, he's driving nervously down the, uh, the cold street there uh, back to his home. Um, and he's uh, interrupted by some crashing sounds. Right. So he grabs two pistols from the bottom cabinet drawer uh, full of firearms and he fearfully shoots the air. And then he finds that he's only shot uh, a bust of himself and uh, where it would say the person's name. It just says me. <laughs> thought that was fun on the placard there. Um, he tries to run out of the house, but uh, trips over the mouth of a bearskin rug and is awakened. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was awakened and uh, tied up there. And uh, all of this is happening. The rich um, uh, yet uh, ominous voice of uh, one Mr. Brian Cox mm-hmm. reads a little poem. A greedy man once yearned for more, so the fool began to borrow. He ate and drank and told the bank, I'll pay the debt tomorrow. But as both dolt and purse grew fat, the calendar grew thinner. The debt collector had enough and hungered for his dinner. Coward ran with coin in hand, but come dawn lost his breath. The fool was caught, twas all for naught, for the collector's name was Death. Ooh, chilling, listening to it just isolated like that. Yeah, give it up for Brian Cox there. I know. What's your favorite uh, Cox of Brian? (laughs) Uh, The one in the middle. I think it's he's a guy who's just one thing. He's from Scotland. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I've ever really seen. I mean, have I seen him actually do his Scottish accent? Everything I've ever seen him in really like as a kid is he's always like has an American accent. Yeah. Wasn't he in all those like X-Men movies? Mm hmm. As William right. Stryker. Yeah, he was in those. He was in Adaptation. I love that movie. He played Hannibal Lecter, too, in the original. Oh, uh, the original. Manhunter. But not I the Martian be... Hunter. <laughs> He could be John Jones. He'd be really good, Martian Manta. Yeah. Actually, I was thinking that he'd be a good uh, Superman's dad if they were to do kind of like a remake of the Richard Donner films. <laughs> they should just have a show called Superman's Dad. <laughs> Superman's Dad. <clears throat> um, <laughs> yeah. What? Yeah. But uh, Brian Cox. Yeah. Great voice. He's, he's kind of in the news today. I think he wrote a memoir or something I just hear in other news. And he's just kind of like talking shit about other actors and directors. <laughs> Like he kind of said something about Quentin Tarantino that is like a lot of just like flash and no substance or something like that. But he'd be happy to be in a <laughs> Quentin Tarantino movie. Yeah, Don't quote me on that. You'd have to look it up. Yeah. But I mean, speaking of uh, all flash and uh, this feels very Quentin Tarantino-esque as well. This episode kind of evoking that kind of well, yeah. uh, late 90s kind of indie crime film thing that 
Tarantino popularized. And, and the Coen brothers, too. Absolutely, yeah. Oh. Uh, so the rich Texan nervously laughs and compliments his captor's rhymes and asks if there are any more chilling verses in the reader's book. The gruff old man with a dead eye and a smart suit explains that the cowboy man, that his book isn't one of poems, but rather a ledger of debts to be paid in money or blood. Or more recently, Venmo. Uh, he then continues to say that he's been sent to collect in blood. Just then, his two accomplices, a mustachioed Irish man in a tracksuit and a femme fatale with a bob cut, appear from the shadows, wielding guns. So uh, the rich Texan there uh, pleads to spare him as uh, he and his wife and two young mistresses, as well as a secret wife. He's got those guys. Um, he cries out that he's a good man, but it's of no use. So uh, the uh, head figure there, uh, Brian Cox, clicks his pen while the other two unload their pistols on the old tied up cowboy there and uh, just blood splurting everywhere. It's a very violent episode. Very violent scene. Yeah, it's just uh, it's just like a Tarantino or, or Coen brother. Yeah. And he's weird, like you said. Um, so Brian Cox, uh, I guess we'll go by the name of uh, what's his name? Costas Becker. Yeah. Costas Becker. I think it's Costas. I was Costas. thinking Costas in my head, like Bob so, Costas. Bob Costas Becker. Because both because they have uh, fucked up eyes. <laughs> Uh, so he goes to say that his experience, there's no such thing as a good man. And he crosses the uh, rich Texans debt off the list. Mm. $62,000, Steve. <whistles> it's how much you owe me. Oh, no. Uh, I'm good for it. Don't break my legs. <laughs> <clears throat> so as a song, the 90 and 9 plays by uh, Burl Ives, a red text reading of Sirius Flanders is shown. We then see Ned Flanders walking through the snow, carrying a trash bag and a trash picker. On screen text that says that uh, this is a true story. The events depicted took place in real in a real animated town. Out of respect for the dead, the whole thing has been entirely made up. <laughs> That's a fun parody of the uh, Fargo. Yeah. Title screens. Uh, so the screen splits, splits there in two, and we see Ned using his trash picker to puncture an uh, empty duff can, a uh, crusty burger wrapper, a pack of alarmies with a few left, in, and uh, then there's a bottle of buzz cola, cola um, from two different angles. And the text yet again appears saying uh, the rest has been told as pretentiously as possible. And the cab candy wrapper reminiscent of a whatchamacallit uh, shows the words chapter one, the harder, the good. <laughs> Um, so for those who are curious, a whatchamacallit is a Hershey candy bar that debuted in 1978 with a peanut butter crisp and a layer of caramel covered in milk chocolate. In 2008, Hershey replaced the cocoa butter with a cheaper oil substitute so it could no longer be legally be called milk chocolate and is instead referred to as a chocolate bar. Uh, and then in 2009, they released a sister bar, a thingamajig, which is a similar rice crisp and peanut butter candy. Um, and as of 2012, that bar is no longer made. What are we, the candy boys now? I don't know. I just, I, I, yeah, I used to love a whatchamacallit and hadn't had one in like 20 years. So I thought I'd do a little research. Did you pick one up and eat one? No, uh, no maybe. No. All right. Well, good for your candy bar, Steve. Thank you. So uh, Ned looks at his work, uh, picking up trash and comments that his face is as pristine as the Garden of Eden before that pesky Eve came along. Huh. Uh, just then he finds Homer Simpson sitting on several tra uh, bags of trash, munching on a bag of uh, Chippo's brand potato chips. Homer Simpson? I didn't know you were a fellow volunteer litter-getter. No, I'm doing community service because of where I told the judge to shove some parking tickets. Well, sir, I guess your punishment is my predilection. To do good. Oh, Flanders, you do so much for the town, yet no one ever appreciates you for it. Why, thank you, Homer. Not a compliment saying you're dumb. Not a compliment, Steve, I'm saying you're dumb. Mm -hmm. Well, you're as smart as I am attractive. <laughs> 
Um, all right. Well, Homer tosses the empty uh, Chippo's bag over his shoulder. And before Ned can grab it, he's blown away by the wind. Uh, Ned reaches to get it, but tumbles down a hill, bouncing several times, saying mustard in place of a curse word like um, duty, probably. Right. Yeah. Uh, he finally lands, his head smashed through a fallen tree. He moans in agony and opens his eyes. Highlighted by the sun shining through the tree, Ned finds an old blue Pan Am Airlines bag. Steve, do you have trivia for Pan Am Airlines now? Uh, it was a failed TV show from like 2011. Oh, yeah. Is it a Sorkin show? It sounds like a Sorkin show. Could have been a Sorkin show. <laughs> Probably wasn't. Um, he comments that uh, its locale is a strange place to check your bagarino. <laughs> Uh, examines that bag and guess what's in there steve what's that airplane stacks and yeah they keep the airplanes in the pan ham bag um stacks and stacks of robert de niro's or money i'm talking to me uh yeah anytime like you watch a movie that takes place in the 60s they always have to establish that it's the 60s by showing a pan am airplane yeah it's like we're in the 60s guys look pan am pan am skinny ties somebody drinking a martini you just wish that you could go back and fly on a pan am and dress like that and drink a martini on that plane it does sound delightful yeah but probably also extremely sexist and racist yeah to other other people yeah totally and also uh the cigarette smoke on an airplane would have been awful Uh, yeah as someone who's just came back from vegas and still get to smoke as i mentioned yeah in the buildings but yeah when you don't smoke you can really smell it yeah it's very intense yeah much like camping yeah (laughs) Uh, homer cries out crap 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 repeatedly as he falls down the same hill and also landing on the timber he explains that he saw ned fall and rushed to laugh at him but then also fell he then sees the pan am bag and grows frustrated as it's always been his dream to find a sack of money Uh, He accuses Ned of stealing his dream, but Ned says it's all a part of God's plan, a phrase which usually is reserved for horrible tragedies. Homer goes into more detail about his frustration, and later, Ned is back at home counting the found loot. Uh, A do-gooder like you finding this money is proof that karma is real, which sucks, because now I can't club you over the head and take it. Aw, thanks, neighbor. 173,296 dollars. We should get a huge terrarium with like a million turtles. No, we should get a speedboat with bunk beds on it. Turtles! Bunk boat! Turtles! Bunk boat! Ah, I wish your great-grandfather Pawpaw Flanders was still here to guide us. He was the finest man I ever knew. I love Homer just being kind of like jerk-ass Homer in a way of like that jealousy thing. Like yeah. how like little kids do it where it's like your sibling gets a present and like, why don't I get a present? Why did they exactly. get a present? So it's that kind of same mentality. Like that's great. And then Rod and Todd there. <laughs> they, uh, so what would you do the terrarium with all the turtles or a bunk boat uh, or bunk bed boat? Yeah. Speedboat. <laughs> That seems weird. Yeah, I I like it. It's very kid-like of them, but it's also kind of out of character for them to des- desire anything. It's the weird, they, they, probably the writers are like, what would they want? And people are just like, you know, we're just going to probably say something like Bible-y or Jesus-y, but let's do something like this out of character. Yeah. I mean, I like the idea of the terrarium with all the turtles because I think turtles are cool. Mm-hmm. I just don't want to be responsible for all those lives. I know. That's a lot of, uh, I mean, they're resilient animals, but still. Yeah, because they'll outlive me, but then but yeah. someone's got to take care of them because I'll be dead in a few days. Yeah. Uh-oh. Well, the turtles are going to eat me. Oh, that's fair. Got to... Unless you get some ooze. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm going to name them uh, after the four turtles. There's a, uh... oh, don't tell me. The blue one is a crazy thing. Which one's the which one's the purple one? Uh, so he does something. 
Yeah. All right. We were not get down this rabbit hole of making fun of another podcast or or a turtle okay. hole. A turtle hole. There you go. That's what they call their necks. Turtle holes. Yeah. Uh, but uh, oh, so and then uh, I guess I'm just gonna have to go with the boats because. Uh, but I don't, really, I don't really want a boat either. Yeah, I don't really like the responsibility of a boat. And I don't want to be a boat guy. You've heard the uh, old adage of uh, there's two times a boat owner is happy. The first is when they buy a boat. And the second is when they sell that boat. <laughs> I have not heard that. But yeah, yeah, that seems about right. It probably goes with people with RVs because I'm one of those people like I kind of want an RV. I think it'd be great. But then in the long run, it'll probably suck. Yeah. I see on social media sometimes the people who become RV, like they live in their RV. Or they, yeah, they convert like a Sprinter van. I've seen that too. Yeah. I, I just, mean, I have friends who did that for like a year or two. I just, uh, I don't know if I could do it. I like a hot shower and I like a warm bed. I know. I, I need, I need my own toilet, mm-hmm. my own shower. You're right. And I know one of the rules of having like an RV is your, the unwritten rule is like never do number two in, in your RV. Yeah. One is fine. But after you do number two, you've tainted that, that RV. Yeah. Uh, so then you're relying on like what, like Walmart bathrooms and gas stations? Oof. Well, not Walmart, but I'll tell you some of the best public restrooms, Goodwills. Uh, yeah. The good. I've been to some Goodwill restrooms, never been dirty. They're always clean. You know what? You're right. I, I, I agree with you. I've been to several Goodwills and yeah, it's true. Uh, the, the, the dirtiest one I've ever been to was in a Kroger. So there you go. Yeah. Grocery tar- stores Target, are horrible. Target ones were, was terrible too. Mm-hmm. Uh, a Safeway one was gross. Ooh, I used to work at a Safeway many moons ago. That was a nightmare. Yeah. I got to say, though, some I think Walmart is kind of on top of their game, too. I've been to a couple of Walmart ones on the need and the need and, and they're, they were OK. I could see that. I mean, they are very accommodating to yeah. uh, the RV folk. Yeah. Well, we're getting off the tangent of RVs. <laughs> Get back on the Simpsons. Um. So he's uh, the last clip there. We ended up when he was talking about his papa, right? Mm-hmm. So he, we do like a little uh, flashback where he's imagining or he's thinking of the time he was with his grandfather at a store, and uh, <laughs> Papa Flanders orders a pouch of chewing tobacco for himself, and then orders a pouch of candy ch- uh, tobacco for his grandson. <laughs> Which at first I thought was silly, but then I remember Bigly Chew. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. Which is basically just candy tobacco. Um. Well, they also, I, I don't know if, I know in stories you could get them here. Um, one of the big things was uh, there was the Tillamook uh, uh, beef jerky uh, place that we got here on the coast. And besides like selling pepperoni steaks and jerky, when they, you know, cut things down, they have all these shavings of meat shavings. <laughs> and so they took those shavings and they put them in, you know, um, right. tobacco tins for beef jerky. So it was like, it was like shredded tobacco that you'd put in your lip and they just sold it like it was shredded beef jerky so like you would have those shavings and as a kid you think yeah i got you tobacco i'm like my favorite baseball player (laughs) but the also thing that sucked about those shavings of beef jerky was like you could eat those like one in one bite right and they're like nine dollars a bag yeah (laughs) but they did they were tasty yeah i remember those uh beef jerky is expensive it is oh i'll have i got a hot take here Mm. i've had gardein's uh uh, Gardein, which is a company that makes all plant-based meat products. Mm-hmm. Um, Gardein, this is not a sponsor. I mean, they could be if they want to be. But uh, <laughs> Gardein makes beef jerky. Obviously not beef jerky, you know, made of from uh, plants. Plant-based yeah. jerky. It is some of the best jerky I've had in a long time. Oh, really? I would, I would love to try that because uh, I've had some soy jerky that's okay. 
Um, but I do like the Gardein brand. I like their uh, fake chicken too. Yep. So, and when you bite into it, you got that flavor of jerky, but you don't have like the stringiness or like the hardness. It goes down easy and you, you know, there's not really remnants in your mouth. Like, like some jerky does that, right? Yeah. Um, and price point, way cheaper than actual jerky. Ooh, nice. I'm going to have to seek this out. So yeah. Check out some Gardein jerky today. They better, they better fucking pay us, Steve. Offer code AGB. <laughs> Jerky, the AG just, Jerky Boys. Yeah, Jerky Boys. Um, anyway, so yeah, um, as in uh, led uh, young Ned's there uh, looking around, um, and he sees some sketchy, uh, dirty ass hippie there, and you know he's a hippie because he's got long hair and a beard, and of course, what do all hippies wear, Steve? <laughs> T-shirts of their favorite satanic band. Yeah, Linda, Linda Ronstadt. Ronstadt. <laughs> So he's putting a, a loaf of bread under the shirt. Um, uh, we got uh, other some some other fun products there, like burly paper towels, disco gelatin. Um, it says Bill Cosby approved. Uh, Raisin Hell cereal and Sergeant Slurp cereal, um, which has been a uh, pre-milked. All right. <laughs> anyway, so Ned points out that dirty hippie there um, to his uh, papa, who's uh, did, it, did we mention he's a police officer? I don't think we did. Oh, well, he's a police officer. Which you know that kind of tracks because you know you tend to rebel against your parents, so your grandpa would be a cop, mm. and then your his son would be a dirty beatnik, right? And then Ned would be the pious uh, Ned that we know and love today. Yeah, maybe Ned is actually looking at the guy because like maybe that uh that hippie there sells weed to his parents <laughs> yeah um so uh uh, uh papa flanders there is going to do some a little investigation on that hippie afternoon mop top yeah here's some bread for your bread my countercultural friend have a good one death to pigs except you man gee papa why didn't you arrest him Nettie, when I was growing up at the orphanage, the nuns taught us one thing. The harder the good, the better the man. The harder the man, the better the good. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, speaking of uh, Crustified, that's uh, Timothy Elephant uh, from Justified. And TV's Mandalorian. That's right. He's in one episode. Mm-hmm. And Conan O'Brien's best friend, apparently. <laughs> yeah. They're really good friends. Did you know that? I think I did. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah. Um, I love the... Uh, they do the the ominous like scary music like you think he's gonna pull like, obviously they should look like he's gonna pull his gun and shoot him mm-hmm. and that's such a trope that you see in a lot of these movies now where it's like the music is building the tension's there and then like it ends with like all right we'll see you later pal you know that sort of thing yeah exactly like oh nothing bad happens but then like a second later then someone gets like shot out of nowhere <laughs> right <laughs> hoping that was gonna happen but there's plenty of death in this episode steve i don't need to keep uh hoping for more death it's true but we do have some other items in the store such as a uh, meatloaf assistant embargo olive oil and hard tang that doesn't sound good at all no i want it to be hard and is it meatloaf assistant just called ketchup pretty much yeah uh so back in present day ned looks at a framed photo of his grandfather and becomes inspired he knows just what to do with that found money he heads to the saint giles uh giles uh, orphanage and visits the executive director Barbara Belfry. Belfry, played by How I Met Your Mother's final season's regular Kristen Milotti, uh, tells Ned in a thick Midwestern accent that she's never seen a donation so generous. Uh, she stuffs the uh, Pan Am bag full of cash in a safe behind a painting. The town people will go apes over bananas when they hear about Ned's giving nature, but Ned adamantly requests that his an- uh, donation be anonymous, as that is his way. When thou doest thine alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee. 
Matthew 6-2. <laughs> oh, but wouldn't you like some accolades and attaboys for being such an upstanding fella? Oh, I don't do good deeds for recognition. That's why no one ever gives it to me. <gasps> Hold on. What if you donated that money in the name of someone special? I can honor my pawpaw. Oh, see? Nothing prideful about that. Now, what's the name of the saintly fellow you'd like to give all the credit to? Ned Flanders. Uh, the first. Ned's number one! Ned's number one! Papa was technically Ned number one, so that chant's okay with me. So, how does it feel to be the most beloved man in Springfield? You mean the grandson of? It feels darn diddly good. I gotta hand it to Christian uh, Kristen Milotti. Kristen, mm-hmm. Kristen Milotti, yeah. I think she's probably one of my favorite actresses these days because everything I've ever seen her in, she's always so good. She's quite the chameleon too, because like I remember her first from uh, a one episode of Thirty Rock where she played kind of a spoof of uh, Sarah Silverman and comedians of the ilk who kind of do you know that character of a baby voice sex, yep, sexy I'm baby, a sexy thing. baby, <laughs> right. I'd go poo-poo in my diaper. <laughs> yeah, she was great on that episode. That's exactly where I saw her first. And then again, you know, I saw her on um, uh, How I Met Your Mother. But it was really till like there's like an episode that she's on of um, Black Mirror. Mm-hmm. She's great in that. There's one episode of Mythic Quest from the first season. She's great in that. Uh, of course, Palm Springs. Great in that movie. Oh, yeah, that was a good movie. She's just like, she, you're right. She is a chameleon, but uh, yeah, really talented. I, I did not know that was her voice. Again, good job. Yeah, I think the fact that every time I hear her, I don't realize it's her. It speaks volumes to how talented she is. Yep. Uh, so the scene then cuts to a hand uh, tra- traipsing on a countertop, past a hammer, past a butcher's knife, past a saw, and several more knives. The hand finally picks up an axe. We then see the hand belongs to the feminine assistant of Costas Becker, Colette, played by a madman regular uh, Jessica Paré. She looks over the bullet-laden corpse of the rich Texman, Texan before uh, chopping his arm off and throwing it in a vat of acid. One of his legs is then thrown in the vat, and the other leg is frozen with liquid nitrogen and then smashed into several pieces with a hammer. This is a brutal episode. <laughs> uh, she then uses a meat slicer to make a deli-thin slice of... Uh, meat with his face yeah it kind of reminded me of when they got rid of bodies on breaking bad too they yeah put them in those barrels when the bathtub I, fell from the, the second floor that was great uh it was not like only like the third or fourth episode yeah i think so yeah um yeah very visual very gruesome mm-hmm. this I mean, episode is uh rated tv 14 which is uh uncommon for a simpsons episode i think it's the only one that has been mm-hmm. i think matt selman tweeted about that um all right well costas becker there is seen tearing into his favorite fruit the pomegranate which we know he's an evil villain because if that's his favorite fruit yeah um, the loser fruit <laughs> it reminds him of his bloody profession and uh, he speaks on the phone agreeing that his snack option is no way subtle um he then tells the unknown caller that the rich texans debt has been balanced and proof will be coming shortly um do you think that this character like will be a big surprise of who it is i think so and i i have a theory that we'll get to towards the end Oh, good. We'll do that in our wrap up. Yeah. Um, he then opens the briefcase dropped off by Colette. And inside we see the uh, face off <laughs> off the face of the uh, rich Texan there. Uh, so Costas reasons with the person on the other line that he won't have the uh, whole head, just the face, since you can only have one bag on United. <laughs> <laughs> and then he's just then all of a sudden he's distracted by the TV because uh, our old pal uh, Kent Brockman has a news report. 
An anonymous do-gooder donated a fortune to a local orphanage. Money found in an old Pan Am bag. A grand total of $173,296. I'm staying in Springfield. I have a very old, very personal debt to collect. I spoke to the generous donor who insisted on anonymity. It feels darn diddly good. Who could it be? I guess we'll never know. No. Uh, so the then go to chapter two, The Hippo's Conundrum, uh, which begins with a title card showing that in a board game uh, with a very concerned hippopotamus wearing a bowler and a bow tie, which I thought was fun. Uh, the camera pans out to show that that game is being offered by the Androids Dungeon and Baseball Card Shop. And so Colette and Seamus, played by IT Crowd and Bridesmaid star Chris O'Dowd, they interrogate comic book guy looking for a local man by the name of Ned Flanders. Jeff Albertson sarcastically asks if he looks like the town's information kiosk, uh, because, but he happens to be actually uh, much bigger than the kiosk himself. Uh, he then tells the tough Irish guy to hit the bricks, calling him Lucky Charms. Seamus laughs it off, saying that he loves a good joke, but that his partner isn't so jovial. Colette uh, then switches the comic book store's sign from open to closed. Oh, that old trick, I guess. <laughs> we know that because uh, he uh, says that. So um, she locks the door there and Seamus continues his inter interrogation, waiting to know where to find Flanders. And then comic book guy continues to be aloof. Um, but Colette swears at him in French before stabbing his ponytail to the wall. wall. Um, and she then uses a butterfly knife to puncture a hanging copy of Radioactive Man number one. Oh, no. It's also graded 9.2. Oh, a really good score. Yeah. <sighs> if only Barton. Nelson or Bart and Martin and uh, uh, what's the other kid's name? Millhouse, that wiener yeah, kid. Yeah, that wiener kid. Only they could put their money together, they could buy that. Fun fact, though, that's actually the same cover as the uh, Radioactive Man number one comic book from the actual 90s that they produced. Yeah. Uh, anyways, so um, she also destroys a Infinity Gauntlet, like the one that's used by Thanos in the Marvel movies. And then the worst offense there is she oh. breaks the knee of the Mandalorian cutout. Oh, not no. Mando. Oh, not Mando. Yes, as CBG says that. Um, he doesn't know where Flanders lives, but he could always find him at the first church of Springfield, not the second. Uh, so Seamus then, did they ever make a second church of Springfield joke in the show? I think they have. They probably have. Anyway, so Seamus lets uh, Jeff go back to his Heathcliffs and Garfields. <laughs> And then he's like, I only like the cat ones. Like, that was kind of funny. A lot of Heathcliff and Garfield talk these days. It's true. It's funny how he, they just keep on coming up. The Heathcliff comic, too, is just bonkers. Um, two thugs just manhandled me in the collectibles. Why the hell am I paying you for protection? If another outfit is moving in on my town, then appropriate violence will be taken. Oh, no. Oh, no. I really oh, like the way that uh, Fat Tony, uh, you know, those balls from the 90s that you would buy at like a mall kiosk where oh, yeah. he does that with meatballs and <laughs> the then he crushes the meatballs in his hands. <laughs> but it's very, uh, it's very um, artistic too, because that when the meatball crushes, the uh, turns into the same shape as the, the, the clouds. That's true. It's a very we're, stylized episode. Yeah. Steve, who would you cast as the voice of Garfield? Hmm. Not Chris Pratt. <laughs> no. It's, it's, Chris Pratt always has like happy, energetic voice. Like Garfield's not happy, energetic. No, he's very calm, very chill. Like it should be Harrison Ford. That's actually a really good choice. Or Brian Cox. 
Kind of looks like Garfield in a way. Uh, if Norm Macdonald was still alive, he'd be the best Garfield. Hey, uh, Odie. <laughs> right? I mean, come on. Yeah. I would fun. pay money to see a Norm Macdonald. Uh, R.I.P. <laughs> Norm. Ah, so, such a loss. Yeah. Um, in that clip, we were with a whole lot of uh, visuals in the comic book store, um, including some comics such as Dog Kid. I think a lot of them, too, were uh, like callbacks. I yeah, think I think so. Bi- Biclops, because wasn't that the comic that yeah. Mailhouse bought a lot of yeah it's by like the eyeglass uh it's my yeah. i think it's sponsored by lens crafters yeah <laughs> uh then we have uh the fung um which i guess would be parody of the thing mm-hmm. uh the vindicators which is a parody of avengers which they did last season i think right yeah the vindicators I think so. parody yeah uh then we have the incredible bulk which is uh he's lifting weights which is a joke that they've done before yeah was that also didn't kevin smith use that as parody in mall rats on the opening credits wasn't the incredible bulk i think so yeah uh, not creative at all uh bat chick just really funny because it's so sexist yeah because there is like a comic there is a batgirl comic and there's a batwoman comic mm-hmm. so just having bat chick i'm surprised they didn't do that in the 90s yeah i think it should be a a, a baby bird though <laughs> oh like a baby robin hey there you go uh, next, we have Magnesium Man, which is a take on Iron Man, uh, showing a Robert Downey Jr. type with the text Devil in a Bong. Well, I mean, he's supposed to be Tony Stark, and that's why they look that way. Yeah, and he's troubled with drugs, just like Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. <laughs> um, Everyman. <laughs> was that, a, I think they, did they do an Everyman comic on this show too? Wasn't that? I something? think so, yeah. yeah. Okay. And then we have Clockman Babies, which is a take on uh, Watchmen, of course. And they've already parodied the Clockman Babies a long time ago. Yeah, and it's uh, V is for Vacation. They did the same thing, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we get a poster from Marvel Studios with Vindict- Vindictor- Vindictors, Vindictators, and Crystal War. Um, <laughs> and then we have a poster for Tauntaun in Paris. Bobbleheads of Itchy, Scratchy, and Poochie. Nice. A figurine of their uh, Grinch uh, look like Grumple. And a, a little bobblehead of Captain Canada. Which, so I know uh, that there's a Captain Canuck. Yep. But this is more a more direct parody of Captain America. Yeah, there is a Captain Canuck. I remember that. All right. Well, let's go to that first church of Springfield where Ned receives praise from Lisa uh, for his generous donation. Uh, Barton tells him he did a baller move by splashing the cash on no dads, thus becoming the top godwad. Uh, Ned <laughs> humbly responds that he can't accept praise since the donation wasn't in his name. And uh, Homer's, uh, Homer is less respectful of Ned. Oh, you heard him, kids. Take back your praise. Anonymous Boy Scout Superman doesn't want any hugs or handshakes or little pets on the head. (laughs) Well, I wasn't trying to... Um, oops, I forgot my Bible inside. Bye! Uh, pardon me, sir. I believe that's my good book you're giving a look. Ned Flanners. Used to be a man of the day to get his name printed in his Bible. I guess I saved someone the trouble. Hey, haven't seen you in our church before. Are you new to the pew? I am a debt collector by trade, and this ledger is my good book. I only have one unbalanced debt, my very first. It's like having a tickle in my nose for 50 years, but never getting to sneeze. That's the same amount I... (gasps) This is now your debt to me. Barb, am I glad to see you? You know, I was just talking to... He's gone. No, I'm not. I started to hide, but I couldn't find any good places. 
I like in the beginning of the clip how, uh, like you said, jerk ass Homer is jerk ass Homer. It reminds me of the movie a little bit too, where, you know, Ned is so pious and so sweet and uh, Homer's kind of jealous of that. Mm. Yeah. This is, uh, this is turning to be in a mystery, Steve. Oh, quite the mystery. Also, I like uh, Brian Cox's reading of Sneeze. <laughs> he's doing great. Yeah. Uh, so Costa Specter leaves the church and Ned comments that he was the most terrifying man he's ever met. Barb agrees that he's an odd duck, but he, she uh, then changes the subject. The Springfield winter markets are opening that evening and Barb is wondering if Ned will come with her. Not for chaperoning purposes, but for dating reasons. Mm-hmm. Ooh. The uh, orphans woo like a married, ch- married with children <laughs> audience and uh, Ned agrees. Ooh. Hopefully later uh, Ned and Barb go woo woo. Woo woo. Um, in the car outside the church, Colette and Seema sit in the front seat while Costas Becker sits in the back and they're holding the title page of a Bible with instructions on the bottom to read. They read, uh, if found, please return to Ned Flanders, 744 Evergreen Terrace. As the uh, <clears throat> At the Springfield Winter Markets, two latte art hearts are uh, formed into two cups, which are then enjoyed by Barb and Ned Flanders. As they walk, Ned learns a little more about his new lady friend. Get out of town, you a javelin thrower? Oh, yeah. I would have qualified for the Pine City Junior Throw Olympics, but, you know, that was the year the good Lord thought to bless me with my top shelf here. I hated to hang up my javelin clogs, but luckily I discovered my true passion, parentless children. Barb Belfry, at the risk of sounding crass, I I think you're swell. Cute couple alert. So cute, so cute. Some arm candy for Flandy. Whoop-dee-doo. You've had a little too much eggnog. Nog just gives voice to truth. That's right, neighborino. I'm on to you. When you bought all the orphans in town, I thought you were a fool. But now I see what you really did with that money. By the love and admiration of all these suckers. All right, Noggy. Into the drunk rink with you. Homer's so jealous. I know. And drunk. <laughs> I'm jealous. <laughs> <laughs> and drunk. Oh, if he's drunk. Oh, I wish. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, some uh, stands in the market include uh, big stupid candy. Uh, non-functional nutcrackers. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> Knoblock Brautwurst Schnitzel. Hey, that wasn't so bad. Hey, not bad. Uh, Panatone Zone. And the Hot Wine Bling. <laughs> A lot of fun sign gaggage in this episode, isn't there? Yeah. Um, all right. Well, uh, Elf Willie there pushes Homer onto the ice among the other drunk Springfieldians. Uh, we got the um, uh, drunk people there like uh, Lenny, Kirk, Ben Houghton, Apu. Oh, we see Apu. There he um, is. Jasper, Sarah Wiggum, Sam the Barfly, and of course, Barney. And back at home, Marge scolds Homer, saying that she's never been so humiliated at a seasonal market. Uh, she doesn't understand how someone so gener- someone else's generosity makes Homer so angry. And he yells back that the money should have been his, since he falls down inclines all the time, and all he ever gets is cut concussions but that's a fun little piece of uh, animation there yeah uh but marge can't believe she's married to the most selfish man in the world as uh no more hot dogs by hazel atkins plays a, a car ominously drives down a suburban street inside seamus asks his partner colette why every song she plays is so kooky and obscure this is a uh, very funny speaking of the content yeah. or parroting uh, for once, he wouldn't mind a little Taylor Swift before committing atrocities. Who wouldn't? Yeah. Sounds like uh, you and me playing DJ. Yeah. Play some weird shit. You can play some normal Taylor music. Swift. <laughs> uh, Colette then asked for an address in French. 
But as uh, Seamus reaches for the Bible page, it blows out of the window. Wind's a big factor in this episode. Hmm. Um, of the moving car. He remembers that the address is on an evergreen terrace, uh, 740 uh, something. Then he finds a, finds a house with a snow shovel, a snow plow, and a nativity scene, all with a property of Ned Flanders signs on them. This must be the place. See, Homer, if you just didn't steal Flanders stuff all the time, this wouldn't have happened. Right. Um, so inside the house, Homer's sleeping on the couch using the Flanders family quilt. Um, and then Santa's little helper is sleeping on the floor. He's uh, stirred awake by a noise there. At the growl, the dog runs to find the disturbance. And Homer grabs a fireplace poker and follows the dog. Um, in the backyard, Homer sees uh, Santa's little helper chewing on something. He tells them to drop it, but he doesn't. And he turns around to show that the rich Texan's decapitated face uh, in Santa's little helper's mouth. Ugh. Yeah, Homer lets out a scream, and then he's shocked by a cattle prod hold by, uh, held there by Colette. And then Homer falls to the ground, uttering a doggy man face. <laughs> uh, then uh, Colette switches the prod from cattle to hippo and shocks Homer yet again, uh, causing him to pass out. And uh, Seamus has, uh, says uh, goodnight to what he believes, of course, is uh, Flanders. Oof. Again, it's a very brutal episode. Yeah, of course. Uh, we, <laughs> we then go to uh, chapter three, entitled A Donut for the Devil. Uh, where two snowy boots stomp on the doormat outside of a house decorated for the holidays. Inside those boots are the feet of Ned Flanders and Barb, fresh from their date. As the picture frame said to the level, that was quite an evening. <laughs> oh, this was the best night I've had in a month of Sundays. Barb, if I were to kiss you right now, would, uh, would that be all right? Golly, it sure would. Hot dog! Well, bye. Ned, would you like to come in and see my javelin medals? Oh, yeah. Oh, you bet. Diddly. That's the business. Mm. Doodly. Oh, good golly, Miss Molly. Great golly. Right in the kisser. Oh, yeah. I just love that joke of a, if I could kiss you, would you let me? Yeah. Good. It just like leaves. <laughs> also, I love uh, the evening joke. The dad joke. Yeah. Yeah. But also her laugh is so... <laughs> almost crazy it's like trust mcneil level uh laugh it was really good yeah christian uh, melody level of laugh that's right we're learning that she's great um i'm so happy ned has found someone nothing will you know nothing's gonna change right yeah i think it should all be fine all right well see so you know uh ned and barb make out but then uh now notices some uh framed pictures on the wall mm. first it seems normal and uh, ned sees one of barb with uh sideshow nell from a recent crusty crusty con so she must be a fan and uh, ned asks about it and she says yeah she used to be a big fan uh then they continue to kiss and then uh, ned sees a photo of barb and mel on a ski trip with another uh and then another picture with a uh, barb and mel uh at the Golden Globes together. He then sees a picture over uh, the fireplace and it's uh, Mel and Barb's wedding photo. What? So uh, Ned responds. He's your husband? Well, technically. But don't you worry, hon. We got an arrangement, me and Mel. What? I get to have my extracurriculars and uh, so does he. Well, he tries anyway. Oh, bless his heart. Oh, Lordy, I'm an adulterer. Don't mind me, just rebooting the Wi-Fi. Gah, the cuckold. Oh, come on, Mel. You knew I had the living room tonight. Check the darn schedule. Don't worry about him. He can turn his video game up real loud. Bar Belfry, this diddly dalliance is doodly done. <laughs> Another Craigslist winner. Oh, shut up, Mel. 
Man, I didn't know Sideshow Mel was married. I know. Well, it's like a fictional universe. So probably it is. It's not canon. So no, but I could see Mel being a cuck. (laughs) I'm sure you could see him being a cuck, Steve. So you can also see me being a cuck if he, you know, (laughs) he wants. We'll work something out. So Bob's is well, no, I guess not. I was gonna say Barb's a hot wife, but I don't think she is. The term hot wife, you know that, right? Yeah, yeah, right. Do our listeners know? Because so just so I'm clear, because I know the listeners aren't, but I am. uh, A cuck watches as the hot wife is uh with another right. usually another man or you know whatever yeah no judges yeah the, hmm. yeah the cuckold just sits and watches while the hot wife is with another person exactly yeah uh, and respect to you if that's your thing i don't get it and the man with the wife is called a bull huh you learned in everything today guys <laughs> yeah is that why uh the character from night court was called bull <laughs> and harry anderson was called the cuck yeah yeah <laughs> Uh, so Marsha Wa- Marsha Warfield was the hot wife. Oh yeah, but I, I think Dan Fielding would have been the cuck. Yeah, I could see that. Actually, Harry could have been the cuck. Dan would be the bull. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I mean, because yeah. Dan did bang a lot. That was his thing. But it was his insecurities. Yeah, and I could see him getting off on watching other people too. I mean, you could do that if you want. Yeah, I mean, but maybe I'm... that'll come up in the new uh, in the new series. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. I, I I think so. I, I know that. Uh... Melissa Roush is a huge fan of this podcast, so she's going to take our ideas. Yeah, just just give us an EP credit. We'll call it good. <laughs> yeah, okay, thanks. Uh, let's get back <laughs> to The Simpsons, Steve. All righty. Meanwhile, Seamus and Colette uh, present Homer tied to a chair with his face covered to that Costas Becker. Uh, they offer the prize piggy as uh, Mr. Ned Flanders, but Costas knows that that's not Ned. Uh, defending himself, Seamus offers things on Homer's person, such as several of Ned's credit cards, his medical alert bracelet, and a uh, tag on the suspiciously, suspiciously tight undershirt Homer is wearing, all of which say property of Ned Flanders. Uh, Costas then finds Homer's work badge, which shows him as safety inspector of Sector 7G and a trainee for life, which, you know, to be fair, we're all trainees for life because we're always learning. Learn something um, new every day. That's right. Uh, Costas yells as the underling saying that they uh, brought him the wrong man. Seamus is about to uh, put a belt sander to Homer's head when Costas stops him. He instructs Seamus not to kill him yet. Though Homer's fate is nearly worse than death. Meanwhile, Ned uh, attempts to have his own conversation with his maker. It's your lucky day, big boy. I hope you like HGTV. This one loves the Property Brothers. Giant, charmless goons. Lord, seems like everything's gone screwy ever since I donated that money in my name. I mean in uh, Papa's name. Are you punishing me for one small, possibly prideful moment? God? Not quite, church chum. But another friend of yours is on the line. Flanders, you gotta save me. This guy's way too weird not to be dangerous. He doesn't even look at his phone when he's bored. He's not human, I tell you. You've got 24 hours to get me my money. Or I'll take out his tonsils with a power drill. No cops. Ned, Homer's missing. I just found the back door open, his car's in the garage, and the dog looks really queasy for some reason. Steve, what's your favorite Property Brothers episode? Ugh, the one where they uh, flip the house. That's a good one. I liked it when one of them married Zoe Dachanel. That's right. So quirky. <laughs> what, did, I... what, did, what did Chris O'Dell say about them? Like the joyless or what? Yeah, charmless. Uh... charmless. That was a funny line. Good yeah, line I love Food Network. I like the Discovery like tier of programming, that kind of reality, whatever. I cannot get into HGTV. Yeah, I've never seen an episode. I Yeah. 
Yeah, this is not for me. It's not for us. That's fine. Yeah, that's fine. If it's your thing, that's cool. It's just uh, not for me. All right. Well, uh, so Santa's little helper there is clearly sick, and he burps up the uh, rich Texan's ear. Uh, Marsh tells Ned that uh, her yelling at Homer was the last she spoke to him and asked if she could contact the police. And Flanders thinks to himself that if Marge gets the cops involved, Homer is dead. Mm. If Ned wants to save Homer's life, he's going to have to tell a lie. Oh, no. Uh, Homer uh, uh, stopped by here last night and and and, and apologized for being a jerk to me and and uh, you know then he hopped on a bus to Shelbyville for a, a, a three day anger management course at the airport uh, Hyatt, Hyatt Express. It doesn't sound like Homer. Are you calling me a liar? No, but if anyone other than you told me that story, I'd be a little suspicious. Oh, you gotta believe old honest Ned. Anyway, I'm uh, late for my. Uh, Hormone therapy. Bye now. No cops. Something about this just doesn't feel right. You know, Craig, way, way back in the day, uh, first couple episodes that we did, we talked about uh, casting a live action Simpsons movie or show. And I, I don't know if it was you or me, but one of us said William H. Basie has Ned Flanders. Yeah. And it's funny how much uh, that scene, he kind of evokes uh, Ned Gunderson from the movie Fargo, where he's like a nice guy, but he's just so frustrated that he kind of becomes a dick. Yeah. That so. was a perfect reading there. Yeah. I, I remember our casting. I think I cast a Chris Pratt. <laughs> You started was, all this. I was ahead of the time, guys. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, William H. Mays would be great. Um, I still think uh, Ted Lasso would be great. Oh, yeah. That's, yeah, that's, I mean, he is Ned Flanders. Yeah. Uh, so in a very cinematic scene, Marge explores Homer's usual haunts, trying to find her husband. First Moe's, then the Krusty Burger, then Quickie Mart, all with no luck. She uh, then goes to Section 7G of the nuclear power plant and finds Homer uh, in his work hammock is empty. At uh, Lardland Donuts, Costas is enjoying an egg and a donut when he's visited by a foe. Ah, donut and a fried egg. You, stranger, are a man of circular tastes. On the subject of circles, some associates of yours roughed up a rotund gentleman under my protection, and now I am irate. Hmm. Did you ever hear the parable of Lucifer and the millipede? One day, a tiny millipede... Get the hell out of my town! Or else... Ooh. You know, you, you kind of are rooting for... Uh... Fat Tony, because this is his town, and like we love Fat Tony, right? We don't like this bad guy. And we're... as mobsters go, Tony's pretty nice. Yeah, we're Springfieldians at heart. Yeah, that's right. Um, and by the way, from my research, uh, the Lucifer and the Millipede parable does not seem to be a real thing. Well, I want you to write it for next week, Steve. That's your sign. All right, I will work on that. Um, all right. Well, Fat Tony smashes his lit cigar into the yolk of Casas's egg. Gross. Ugh. Um, but also such a movie thing. Yeah. Unperturbed, uh, Casas cuts up the cigar and then eats it. Getting gross. Um, and then exhaling smoke from his nose. And then we, Marge comes into the donut shop asking squeaky teen voice if she'd seen Homer. And the teen lets Marge know that he's the hobo that eats the day olds out of the dumpster. But she hasn't. he hasn't seen him today. Oh, no. Okay. Uh, so Fat Tony and Costas continue their angered conversation as a server comes by and refills uh, Costas' coffee cup. Uh, Becker comments that the coffee is just how he likes it. Hot. Scolding hot. He then jams a fork into Fat Tony's cheek, confusing the mobster because he's like, you just said it was you like your coffee <laughs> yeah. hot. 
like he knows it's going to be a trope. Uh, he then pours the coffee into the face of legs, hit, hits uh, Johnny tight lips in the neck with a menu and slams Louis's face into the table, causing a salt shaker to impale his eye, which would hurt so much. Mm. Like it's bad enough that you're getting poked in the eye with a thing. But the fact that it's salt. Oof. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Marge watches in horror as Tony brandishes a gun. Uh, Costas grabs Disco Stu, who is uh, innocently sitting at the table behind all the action. Yeah, you're right. That line of uh, I like my coffee hot. It's like that's the way coffee comes. <laughs> yeah. Because, <laughs> you know, there was supposed to be a pun, but there's not. I like it. Yeah, it's great. You're right. The uh, I don't want a salt shaker to the eye, even uh-huh. if it's there's no blood. No. Yeah. Very gruesome. Um, all right. Well, so the mobsters fire at Costas, but he fires back and then he grabs Disco Stew there as a human shield. This doesn't look good, Steve. So uh, Stu does get shot up. Um, <laughs> he's doing those classic disco moves and then he utters to say staying alive, but he really can't because he's shot dead. Uh, Marge just uh, uh, screams in terror there and hides while Costas yells that he should have been allowed to finish his parable. Um, but then all of a sudden, Mr. Burns steps into the shop. He's holding a voucher for a free birthday donut. I don't think it's his birthday. But then all of a sudden, he's shot in the head, but in a weird, like, not gross thing. It just turns into confetti. Yeah, it's weird. I don't understand that. Maybe if you get shot in the head on your birthday, <laughs> your head turns into confetti. Well, Steve, the good thing is this episode does drop on your birthday. So uh, we'll find out later. Alrighty. Yay. Happy Freedom. birthday. Thank you. That's what I wanted. Um, uh, the gunplay ends quickly as Costa deftly shoots all of uh, Fat Tony's associates. Tony tries to respond with more gunfire, but he finds that he's out of ammo. Costa then grabs Tony and brings him into a gruesome demise. Why are you dipping my face in dough? Why are you kneading my face into an O-shape? Why are you pushing my face toward the deep fryer? Oh, I see. Clever. Ah! Madam. Oh, no. Hands up. This is totally... Oh, God, my God, what the hell happened? Oh, mafia guys? Headless dude. Oh, disco man. We need some water. Oh, his face is a donut. That is so messed up. <laughs> I love how the criminal of town is just grossed out by this as yeah, well. Yeah, so we have basically the three villains of Springfield. We have uh, Fat Tony, Mr. Burns, and Snake. Like, arguably the three most evil people in the town. And they're all, like, either dead or horrified by this character. Yeah, there's some Ooh. villains that could make an appearance. I mean, where's Sideshow Bob at, Steve? Oh, that's true. Oh, <laughs> I hadn't thought of that. Where's Hank Scorpio? Yeah. Where's the aliens, King and Kodos? <laughs> this is an alter. Spoilers, there was a UFO in season two of Fargo. So if in the next episode <laughs> that there's a UFO, they can do that. Oh, yeah, that's true. Uh, I guess we'll find out. But hey, let's finish up this real quick. So Marge, um, also I got to say that... Uh, just the line readings from Joe Mantegia are just so good. Yeah, because like it's so rare that in this show that we could see him not just be the stoic fat Tony that we know and love. He's actually acting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, so Marge holds Homer's ID card that fell off Costas' pocket. And meanwhile, Ned sits alone at a pew at the First Church of Springfield praying. Uh, they both look forlorn as Homer watches yet another episode of Property Brothers. Horrified. Uh, Costas lets out a horrifying laugh. And that's the end of part one. One, 
And I like it how it pops up just like you're watching Netflix mm-hmm. and it says, you know, <clears throat> you know, it'll be like, go to the next episode. But next episode usually says in like three seconds. But since it's, you know, a weekly show it says six days, 23 hours, 29 minutes and 55 seconds. <laughs> I think it keeps going down. <laughs> Loved it. Ah, so good. Well, Steve, uh, how about we take a break and then discuss part one? Yes, we'll not be back in six days and (laughs) 29 minutes. We'll be back in like 30 seconds. Yeah, we'll be right back. Craig, we're back. Let's wrap up our discussion of A Series Flanders Part 1. We'll talk about the things we might want on media or a tattoo or a t-shirt or whatever. The things we made us laugh. The uh, Our MBJs. And uh, I think we already know what we're watching next week, but uh, we'll talk about it. <laughs> All right. But really, will we talk about it? I guess we will. Yeah, we might. We'll do our uh, predictions. How about that? Yeah, I like that. Okay. Um, all right. Well, let's see here. There's there's actually a lot to get branded because you have all those parodies of those Netflix shows. Yeah. We talk about enamel pins. Just get a whole set of enamel pins with the marvelous Mrs. Mons and Len 15 and what we loot in the shadows. All of those would be great. Oh, yeah. All of those pins. Uh, do you want a, a statue of the rich tech Texan? It just says me. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of cool. I like the uh, the hippo. The hippo board game would be fun. You know what I think, though? I got to go with the most offensive shirt in this episode. It's actually a shirt, and I'm going to get a Linda Ronstan shirt. It's <sighs> frightening. That's the shirt I want. You counterculture freak. <laughs> How about you, Steve? Oh, boy. Um, like I said, I like the uh, the hippo a lot. And I do like, I love the idea of all the TV shows. But I don't know. I think I might go with a uh, nice and simple uh, Magnesium Man uh, t-shirt. Parody of Iron Man. That's right. You can get your hippos board game, Steve. It's fine. All right. I think I'm going to go with that then. Okay, good. Um, all right. Well, for jokey jokes, jokes. Hmm. hmm. <laughs> there aren't, this isn't a criticism of the episode. There aren't a lot of like ha-ha jokes. Yeah, I was going to say even in the beginning. It does say, you know, you were warned, says brief comedy. Yeah, and I think that that is true. But that being said, I think that all of the uh, the TV show gags are great. Um, I love uh, Ned's evening joke, just because it's so dorky. Dad joke. Uh, yeah, um, and I love a dad joke. I love the, uh, the commentary on pomegranates, because they're a mad fruit that people shouldn't eat. Hmm. What about you, Craig? What are you thinking? Yeah, I, I, I think you're right about the jokey jokes. It's the... And the gratuitous guest stars, like they said in the beginning, which is the truth. I think all the guest stars with uh, Chris O'Dowd and uh, uh, Christine uh, Malati. Malati and, and Brian Cox and uh, uh, Timothy Elephant. Timothy Elephant and uh, Jess uh, Par. Is it Jess Pare? I think so, yeah. And if, yeah, all of them. Great. Um, I'm actually giving them all to my MBJs, but oh, maybe not. I think it's got to be Fat Tony. I think uh, uh, Joe Montagna's performance in this episode, I think, is his best Fat Tony. 
or yeah. at least one he's that just quality that he's done. So he's my MBJ. Um, but but for jokes, I still like. I think when Flanders is stumbling, you know, asking Barbara um, if he can have a kiss, and she <laughs> says yes, and he's like, okay, thanks, just knowing that he could have it. I just love that gag. It's a great. Yeah, gag. it's very funny, and it's very classic Simpsons. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think that I'm going to give my MBJ to Brian Cox just because his reading is so good. But you're right that he's up there with me, too. Yeah. Yeah. Tony, uh, Pat Tony's performance or Joe Mantegna's performance is so good and so, so much more varied than what we normally see of him. I think that's it's brilliant. And I think one of my also my, my favorite what was, what was your favorite gross scene or murder scene. I still think mine is. Uh, with Burns get shot. It's just weird because it looks like it's like a porcelain, like it's a porcelain thing. Yeah. Like I literally have it paused right now. It's pretty <laughs> hilarious screen cap. I think uh, Fat Tony's demise is my favorite just because it's the uh, tell don't show kind of m- mentality where you right. don't actually see anything, but the fact that they turned his face into a donut. But like and... Homer did in that one of the Treehouse of Four episodes. Exactly. Yeah, you're right. The, the scene without showing. That's so great. And then that's the performance too of Joe Montaigne's that I like right. the most too. And the fact that even that Tony respects what's being done to him. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. Fun stuff. All right. Well, what, what do we all just think about it then? Well, first of all, you get, I just have to say, like, we've talked this season about how varied every episode is. And this one is so different than, you know, all the previous other six episodes. And uh, it's so artistically done. Like the, the shading of it is a very dark episode. Like the color of it is a kind of a darker tone. Um, the use of cinematics and like split screens is really well done without being overly showy. It just feels so cinematic that I'm just I'm blown away by it. Yeah, I think you're right. It's this season has just been, I think the only real conventional episode was, well, Lisa's belly. It's kind of like the only real conventional classic episode. Well, I guess Bart's Bart's in jail is kind of, you're right. There's just, there's a lot that they're doing this season and it's, it's amazing. I love it. I think this season, I don't know if it's just that we chose this season to just start from watching new, new and going, but I feel like that they didn't, they haven't really been doing that the last couple seasons. I know they've been doing like, they've been experimenting with doing something like different odd episodes like this. Yeah. I know there was one last season where I don't know if the Simpsons were in it at all, but there was one where it was was like a road trip movie with uh, Chalmers and Skinner. Yeah, exactly. And I think we might, we might have to revisit that at some point. Yeah. it, It seems like a fun one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this episode is just, it's, you're right. That we said earlier, it wasn't about the ha-has, but more of the, just like watching those like Fargo TV shows, those prestige shows where you can't wait to see what happens next. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it was a thoroughly fun episode, if not like laden with jokes, but one joke that I do want to say that I did enjoy was, um, when they're in the church and they think that, uh, Costas has just left, but he went hiding. That's going to be my favorite <laughs> yeah. joke. All right. Just cause he's so evil and he can't just do that one thing. No, that was good. Um, <laughs> uh, um, but yeah, it's uh, just everyone's performance is so good. Like Kristen Milotti's, uh, her, uh, like her basically doing a Francis McDormand in Fargo impression mm-hmm. is so spot on. And uh, I'm, it's I think the word for this episode is compelling. Right, right. It's just fascinating. So I guess now we wonder, have to wonder what's going to happen next week. Yeah. Um, if I were to give it a, do we do we rank this as an episode itself or do we wait till next week? I think we could give it uh, like a rating and then we can kind of review where we're at next week. Maybe. Right. Right. I'm compelled. I want to watch more. So I don't really I'll I'll say um, there are a total of 41 episodes of the TV show Fargo and then plus the movies making 42. So out of 42, I'll give this I'll give this a 21 (laughs) because it's half of 42. 
Makes sense to me. Because we only have one half of this episode. That makes sense. So um, I'm only judging it half of my score. So it has the opportunity to get uh, those points next week. So right now we're at a 21. Just needs 21 more. <laughs> I like it. I mean, I could say uh, 40 out of 41. It has to get one point, but that's it's already one then, right? Yeah, exactly. All right. <laughs> well, so similarly, um, you know, a whatchamacallit has 237 calories. And so I'm going to give this, uh, I'm going to say a 118. Point five. That's some good calories. Yep. <laughs> All right. Well, let's do uh, let's do a fun thing and then predict like who's we know there's there's you know he's working for somebody he's on the phone trying to get you know the the uh, uh, his his ledger right right Bob Costas there um we've seen the demise of some of the you know obviously Fat Tony and Burns are gone we talked about before our break other villainous people like sideshow bob mm-hmm. i mean does is there a connection there between bob and mel and barbara that's that's very possible someone's i mean you know it's got to be somebody you know it's probably barbara right so that's a very uh, logical and uh smart idea and I is it something would... with the javelin she keeps bringing up the javelin the javelin yeah that's weird too has something to do with the Pan Am? I don't know. Like, what's her? Does she have a connection? What? what what's your theory? Uh, so I went a different direction. Though I love where you're going with this. I think that the ledger, his first ledger, is Ned Flanders' dad or grandpa, rather. That yeah, I figure the grandpa has to do something with it. And I think it might be um, Papa. Yeah, I think it might be a kind of weird reversal thing where the debt is actually the hippie looking to, I don't know exactly how this works, looking to repay Ned uh, Papa Flanders through Ned. And I don't know where where uh, Costas comes into that. but So, in, yeah, so the whole thing is that that money actually does belong to Ned Flanders. And all that's the end game. Right. And Ned himself knows that because he's a little fishy about <laughs> donating the money. And, you know, he's a little weird about it. So... I don't I, think I don't think he knows. I think you're I think you're right on with Papa is like save the money, but or maybe the hippie is you know I don't know. You're right. The hippie has yeah. something to do with it. That I think that it. Barb might be a red herring because she's a redhead, Steve. Exactly, <laughs> but I don't know. Yeah. Well, that's what's fun about this. Is it reminds me of uh, us being kids talking about who shot Mr. Burns. I know it's summer, but luckily we don't have to wait a summer. We just have to wait a week. Yeah. So uh, I guess we'll find out next week who done it. What's this all about? I'm kind of hoping that just like, I don't know, everyone gets a bolt in the head. Just all of Springfield dies. You know, be really hilarious is if it it was Maggie. (laughs) Just make her (laughs) keep that trip. Yeah, yeah. I would like uh, they should do a who shot Mr. Burns part three Mm -hmm. where like the case has to be reopened because it turns out that Maggie didn't do it. Like uh, Burns was paid off to say that Maggie did it Mm -hmm. because it's something higher. I don't know. <laughs> Steve, right? Who shot Mr. Brunch part three? Okay. Okay. So I got to do that and I got to write the uh, parable as well. Right. Right. A busy but, week. but you're going to have to also watch the next week's episode. So obviously part two, we're going to finish it up. You don't have a synopsis. You'll figure it out. Yeah. It's this, but uh, the other half of it. <laughs> All right. Well, in the meantime, Steve, how about uh, our fans go to uh, social media like Twitter, uh, Meta, <laughs> aka Facebook and Instagram at 138Simpsons. And they can always email us at 138Simpsons at gmail.com. And if you're so kind, go to your favorite podcasting app and leave us a review of five stars or the equivalent thereof. But you needn't uh, write a real review. You can just uh, write your favorite parable. That's right. And remember, for this week, I've been an annoyed grunt boy, Craig. And I've been an annoyed grunt boy, Steve. And remember, Nog just gives voice to truth. Somebody feed Gil. 
picture frame said to the level, that was quite an evening.